0: Well, welcome this morning, friends, family. I'm going to be done saying friends, your family. Your family. And I'm excited to be with you guys as we're on, I believe, week three of our series, More. Really feel that the Lord has a lot more for us as we get into the Word, as we worship. There's so much more. And I don't know about you, but I hunger and thirst for more of God. I want to go to the places where he's never taken me before. As that those lyrics were said, I'm going to mess it up, but it's something along the lines of, let's not get, stay where we're at. Let us not settle in our hearts to say, ah, we're good. Let us go to more. Amen. Amen. Remember when you say amen, what does amen mean? So be it. What you're saying is, so be it. May it be true in my life. So be it, Lord. So as your pastor, I just preach better the more amens you say. Feel free to yell amen at any moment. Amen. Can I just say I love a church that's alive in the spirit. I love you guys. Can I say thanks for going on a journey? My wife and I, we got back from, we were with uh, Pastor Brett. He's gone. Um <laughs> He, didn't, he, he said it in mention, you, it, in a little passing here, but he said he went to this discipleship training, coaching thing. Did you hear him say that? And he, he realized there's like 10 of us from the church that went down to Nashville this past week. And, and my wife and I got back home Thursday night. And um, we went up to our bed, which, you know, when you get back from any vacation, I love sleeping in my own bed finally. It's like, praise God, my bed's awesome. <laughs> And you get there, and we lay down, and I was like, hey, babe, can you believe it? I said, we have been here this summer. This July will be eight years we've been here. I said, can you believe it? And she's like, no, it feels like yesterday. And I'm like, no, it feels like forever. <laughs> right? Like, just a different response. It was awesome. But uh, I truly mean, like, man, come on. I just praise God for the move that he's done in eight years. I want to praise God for the history of this church too that set us up. I mean, some of you have been here longer than I've definitely been here. And it's really cool. I had this vision the other day when I was walking uh, through our lobby. I said, wouldn't it be awesome to bring back every pastor, whoever pastored here, and sit there and go, I think honor needs to, I think we got to, in our culture, learn Honor. Where honor is due, we should give and bring back pastors, whether their time here was wonderful or horrendous. God still used them to set us up for where we are today and i can 't wait to see pastors after me where god 's going to do and take the church like i can 't wait i don 't say that as i 'm resigning by the way i' just <laughs> i 'm here. I love being here. My vision is immense. It will scare you if I began to speak. (laughs) But it's grand and I don't think it's my vision. I think God's gonna do something here. Listen, we have nine acres. Our campus is very big. What would it look like to be a hub of the community? Where we don't meet, we don't just use the church Sunday morning, but we say community six days a week it's open. This is a building and campus that's used seven days a week. Why not? What stops us, money? But outside of that, you know, like, what stops us? I really think God's going to do some amazing things, and I can't wait to be a part and journey with you guys still. You look at Christians today, brothers and sisters in Christ who probably dearly love the Lord, moved by him, maybe even transformed by him, there's an issue. And the issue is this, their gas tank is on E. On the life dashboard, the gas light is on. And maybe you know people whose life is like that. The dashboard light is indicating you are on empty. And unless you do something, something horrible is going to happen. It's a warning and it's in an an indicator. Maybe that's you this morning. And you know the result of this, living a life like that, eventually that dial bottoms out. And now in life, you're pushing the car. And you're wondering, God, where are you? Life is difficult, and I'm tired in life pushing the car. Can I tell you this morning, you were never designed to be on empty, you're designed to be filled with the Spirit of God. You weren't designed to push the car. You're designed to get in the car. Let the spirit fill you and you hit the gas pedal and you go. You go live out your God-given purpose and calling here on this earth. The reason why you were born in the first place. God has a purpose for you. And he's saying, stop running on E. Stop pushing the car. Let me come and fill you. And let's go. You must know, as we venture into this series more, and we have the chair week in and week out, is I want us to get this concept before we dive in. And the concept's this. Everything in your life flows from your intimacy with Jesus. Everything in your life flows from your intimacy with Jesus. How you treat your spouse day in and day out is an overflow of your intimacy with Jesus. How you work at work is an overflow of your intimacy with Jesus. How you forgive and don't let a root of bitterness grow in your heart. It flows, is an overflow of your intimacy with Jesus Christ. And we've been looking at this idea of the secret place. Psalm 91.1 says this, He who dwells, he who what? He who dwells, who takes place in, inhabits this thing. When you inhabit yourself or dwell or remain in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty there is no greater shadow to be under than the shadow of the almighty God, amen Amen. to be covered in his presence to be in the shadow of our creator there's no greater place but you and I must dwell remain and inhabit these places to slow down, to find a place, the secret place, where heaven is unlocked, where you sit and go, oh, you are so good, God. I'm getting to know you, and I'm getting to know myself as you reveal more and more about me. Can I say this to you? You know why I get so passionate about the secret place? I'm going to take you back to a moment in history that you all will know where you were when this happened. The year 2020. I don't want to take you too long because half the room probably has horrible memories of that year. The other half, maybe semi-great, maybe don't care as much. But I want to take you on a quick journey about myself and why I'm so passionate to where we're going to get to today in the secret place. Because that empty was me. The end of 2019, beginning of 2020, I knew I was about on E. The life indicator came up on my life dashboard. The tank light is on. You're running on E, Ryan. And I was getting so tired of ministry. Not tired, as in ah, people. Ah, just exhaustion was setting in. We were oh so close to wrapping up our building expansion. That sucked the life out of me, of trying to be in all these meetings. And I was like, God, you know, I love building expansions because it's great. It means you're doing something. It's beautiful. But I was like, I didn't get in ministry to big, big build big build bigger buildings. didn't get into ministry for that i came in ministry so people can get passionate about the word of god to see the holy spirit fill them and go and make disciples who make disciples and reach the lost that's why i got into ministry but instead my skill set i was in all these meetings and i'm like oh i could rather watch paint dry than be in this meeting (laughs) this is not me there's a point of exhaustion and then you all remember march of 2020 If you were here, you remember the message? We're talking about being dry and getting into the living waters with the Holy Spirit. Pastor Brandon delivered that last message. You remember what Pastor Josh said on this stage? I remember. I have a great mind. Not mind. That sounds arrogant. I have a great memory. You know what Pastor Josh said? You know what we used to do to welcome each other before we got into the Word? High five five people around you. High five three people around you. We haven't done it since 2020. You know what Pastor Josh said on this stage? Where are you? Yeah, he's laughing because he knows. The last service we held in 2020 before everything shut down, Pastor Josh said, turn to three, five people around you and high five and say, not today, COVID. Three days later, the entire world shuts down. (laughs) Well, not that day. Yeah. It's a true statement. You look at the trajectory of the church prior to all that. You probably would look at my life and say, ministry success, I'm going to tell you my tank was empty. Because here's the problem. You're looking at a worldly success, not at the heart success. What's God doing? That's what you're looking at. You're looking at, oh, the church must be doing good things. Listen, the church, listen I, I'm curious. You take Holy Spirit out of the church, I bet you 95% of the people think just, we just go on as normal. That's the danger with churches. The Holy Spirit left a long time ago, but they're just doing what they've always continued to do. I speak that in love to all our brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm passionate about coaching churches and help them realizing a movement of the Spirit of God in the church to awaken and unleash something. The power and presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I'm passionate about, you're going to hear me over and over, move the 18 inches, move the 18 inches. Too many Christians live here and not here. You know of your faith, but do you know your faith? He was talking to a gentleman after service, and he goes, oh my goodness, I knew John 3.16. He said, I grew up in a conservative church. He's like, "I, I I could spit all the Bible verses. He says, I knew them, I never knew them. I said, it's taken 48 years for it to finally move. And I said, but praise God, it did. Praise God, it did. Don't beat yourself up for the 48 years. Praise God, it did. Now it's baby steps to more. Praise God, it did. Where was I in my story? I was on E, right? I was on E. I was on E. Everything shuts down. It's like, oh, now I'm at home. Okay, what to do at home for a little bit? Before that moment, my time in the secret place was maybe five minutes. And it was honest, as I'm honest, I was probably like, done. I did it. Did you see me, Lord? I opened your word. Now let's go. It wasn't moving from here to here as much as I needed it to. Everything shuts down in five minutes for me. This is my journey. I'm not projecting time on you. Are we fair with that? I'm not projecting this time. My secret place moved from five minutes to a half hour to an hour to an hour and a half. And the Lord said, I need to do some filling inside of you before you start leading the church again. And I'm thankful he did. And I know the power that what happens right here in the secret place. This is why I'm passionate about this place. My wife can attest to you. I was a jerk bag probably before this. More of the secret place in my... That I'm a different person. But listen, it was a posture and a surrender to more of what the spirit needed to do inside of me. And I think he wants to do more inside of you. So, if you turn... We're going to talk about the secret place, just some, some things that get this disrupted in our life. And we're going to talk more and more throughout this series about what happens in this place. We'll talk about prayer and worship. We'll talk about holiness and confession and repentance. Beautiful things happen right here. I don't care if you got a chair or you, you got a, you're standing in the kitchen. All right, and someone told me after the nine o'clock service, listen, this is weird, but my secret place is in the bathroom. I'm like, you know what? Whatever works for you, go. All right? <laughs> We're not being legalistic. Find a place where the Lord meets you. All right, that's the thing. For me, comfort, right? I'm bougie. I need something nice, plushy, you know. That's what I want. I got an oversized chair in the corner. Like, yes, me and God, great, right? I need something plush. Where am I going? Oh, you got to turn your Bible. Turn your Bible to Luke chapter 10. Matthew, Mark, Luke 10. Two thirds of the way into your Bible. You're going to find those four guys who write about the life of Jesus Christ. As you turn there to Luke 10, know who Luke is. Luke is a physician. He's a doctor. He loves details. And his word tells us, or the biography of the life of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus that he writes for us, tells us that he goes around and captures all these eyewitnesses' account of the life of Jesus, and then he records it for us. Luke chapter 10 We're going to get there and we're going to explore an awesome story of two sisters that kind of are going to butt heads and there's a man in the middle and his name is Jesus. And we're going to learn what are these two sisters doing? What is Jesus doing in this moment? If you have your Bible there turned or on your tablet or phone, let me hear you say word. Word. We're ready to get into the word. We used to have this saying. I'm bringing it back because I love it. I used to say this to you. We get in the word, so the... One more time. We get in the word, so the... We don't want it just to be here. We want this thing to get inside of us. Amen? We want to get it in. Here we go. Luke 10. Welcome to Mary and Martha and Jesus. Let's read together. Luke 10. While they were traveling... While they, who's they, Jesus and his disciples were traveling, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary, who also sat at the Lord's feet, note that, and was, and note this, listening to what he said. Now stop there before we go any further. This is packed with information. First and foremost, they are traveling, Jesus and his disciples. Where are they traveling to? Bethany is the village they're in right now. It is on the way to Jerusalem. Jesus is headed to Jerusalem to die. Bethany is only two miles away from Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a little bit on the, uh, it's on the Temple Mount. You got the Temple Mount. It's a little up high and into the hills a little bit. Sits here. Then Jerusalem drops immediately into what is known as the Kidron Valley. Then it shoots up into what is known as the Mount of Olives. See, now you have a hill here. The Mount of Olives was the place where Jesus went and prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. On the other side of the hill is Bethany. He's two miles away from his final stop before he's crucified. And he's in a home of a woman named Martha who has a sister, Mary, who apparently don't always get along. Imagine that, two sisters not getting along all the time. These two sisters are doing completely different things. We are told Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. And what is she doing at the feet of Jesus? She's what? Listening. Listening. Let me ask you a question. Do you know the voice of Jesus? Have you ever sat long enough if you will, at the feet of Jesus, and you know his voice? Mary did. Mary's right there. And you know what's amazing about this moment? What's so amazing is that throughout all of Jewish rabbinic history that we know of, not one time did a rabbi ever disciple women. This is, Jesus is the very first rabbi that we know of all of Jewish rabbinic history that discipled and empowered women. Amen? Can I just say the kingdom of God is both man and woman? Amen. And so here you have this amazing thing that Jesus is going to let a woman sit at his feet and allow himself to teach her. There's a a rabbi that lived in the 2nd century B.C. Before Christ. And uh, his name was Rabbi Yosha Ben Yauzer, Jewish name. And this is his quote about discipleship. He says this. And then this became tradition throughout all of the rabbinic schools out there. It says this. Let your house be a meeting place for the rabbis. Hence, why did Mary open her house? She's living into this or Martha, and cover yourself in the dust of their feet and drink in their words thirstily. That is exactly what Mary is doing. This is the moment of discipleship, to be a learner or an apprentice of the rabbi. She's at the feet of Jesus right now, ready to listen, to be covered in the dust of her rabbi. But what's the other sister doing? It says, but Martha was what, friends? Huh. She's distracted by her many tasks. And she came up and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? <clears throat> so tell her to give me a hand. Wouldn't you and I be like Martha a little bit? I mean, Jesus is coming to your house. You know what you and I are doing? Hurry up. We got to clean up the dishes. Get them in the dishwasher. All right? We got a vacuum. We got a mop. The Savior's coming. You, know, you and I are getting out the china that you haven't touched in five years. You're getting it out. You're making it nice. The Savior's coming. And then she goes up. And it doesn't say she whispers into Jesus' ear. Remember, where is her sister? Do you feel the tension a little bit? We don't get Mary's full response. I'm wondering if she's like, oh my gosh, shut up, sister. I I don't know, that's my holy imagination. But she says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? I'm here to serve you. And if you don't mind, tell her to help me. I mean that's what she's saying. What is she what is Martha busy doing? Doing tasks. What is Mary busy doing? Listening at the feet of Jesus. Please hear me. Don't allow your activity to overshadow your intimacy with Jesus. Don't allow your doing for Jesus to get in the way of the doing with Jesus. It's easy. It's easy. Look at all the things I'm doing for you, God. I wonder if God's saying, but are you doing it with me? Am I there with you? Or are you just, you're doing it because you've got checklists to do. And that's the difference. She's got all these things to do. I want to unpack two things in this moment. Here's the problem. When we allow our activity to overshadow our intimacy with Jesus, it won't move 18 inches. It will never move from head knowledge to heart transformation if we're constantly just busy. And here's an issue. Lean in on this one. Here's the issue. We have downloaded Jesus into the hard drive of our mind, but do not know him in the intimacy of our heart. It's not there. You can spit off all the verses. You know it. But has it moved here? Has it moved to a deeper intimacy with Jesus? Are you completely outdone by Jesus? Are you moved by him? Are you glad to come in and worship with family on a Sunday morning? To sit there and go, I get to do this. I can't wait to be undone in the presence of God with brothers and sisters. I can't wait. Have you came and tasted that the Lord is good? Yeah. Or is it here? Is it still here? And you know why it won't move to your heart? You don't treasure him enough. Jesus' own words that's recorded in Matthew, Jesus says this, for where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. You know why, Jesus? You've kept him in the hard drive of your mind and not into the intimacies of your heart because your treasure isn't with Jesus. It's just not there. Here's the result of that. We settle for a synthetic, surface-level substitution for a holy God when we don't let him move to the intimacies of our heart. Because we're too busy like Martha. We've got too many things, too many tasks, and we can't enough have the spirit of Mary to sit at the feet and just listen and be We are doers before being. May we become beings before doings. Did that work? That worked. That worked. Would you please be before you do? If not, you will run on empty. And you'll be pushing of life up a hill or just down the road, and you're like, I can't do this anymore. Here's the second issue when it stays in our head. Here's, here's the other issue that we won't have the spirit of Mary at the feet of Jesus is, is we run at an unsustainable pace for an expenditure mer- period of time that something suffers. Listen, this is so countercultural today. We run at a pace, please hear me, we run at a pace we were never designed to run. Everything is on all the time. And then you talk about a moment of rest, you're like, what? Seriously? We work. Hmm. Can I say this? Don't rest from your work. Work from your rest. You need to work from being with Jesus because everything in life flows out of your intimacy with Jesus Christ. And if not, something will suffer along the way. An athlete that trains, goes hard, trains, but doesn't consistently do that training. Why? Because his body or her body will eventually break down. It can't run at that pace all the time. What about a marriage? If you don't slow down and invest in that relationship, trust in love will eventually suffer and break. Spouses... Married spouses, you never stop dating just because you have a ring on it. Keep dating your spouse. Put it on the calendar. Get it on. Kiss in front of your kids so they see a healthy marriage. (laughs) Gross them out. It's awesome. (laughs) I tell my kids all the time, I want to show you a godly biblical marriage. I so I don't care. I'll smooch your mom right in front of you while you cover your eyes and go, eh, it's gross. And I said, I'm done. And then they look and you go back at it. It's awesome. <laughs> I don't care. I want to, my wife and I, we want to model that. We want to model a healthy biblical marriage. Are we perfect? Nope. Ask my wife how bad I am. <laughs> I'm not the best. What about Parenting. That you're actually there spending time with your kid. Parents that have adult kids, you know how quick that 18 years goes when they're in your house. It goes by quick. And if you're too busy doing everything else, what will suffer is their affection and comfort. Will they ever feel safe knowing mom and dad were never made time for me? I wonder sometimes if the reality is our adult kids never want to come back. Why would they? Because we never made time for them in 18 years. Why would they want to come back? Now, I know for some of us, we have that wayward son or daughter that you're praying for, and I want to be on my knees praying for you as well. I know that hurts. The wayward child hurts. And you could have done everything in your power to raise them in a godly home, yet in the end of the day, they will make a choice of what path to walk. But I want to be in your corner praying that Jesus would shake them in whatever way needs to be shaken, and they get back on the path with him. And the pace you and I are running is so quickly, ultimately, what suffers is our intimacy with God. And now our intimacy with God becomes an afterthought, not our first response. It's just, if I have time. I say this in loving. I don't think Jesus went to the cross with you on mine, suffering and go, if I have time for them. See, it's a posture. It's a full surrender and posture of who we are. To say... I will make it a priority in the secret place to get alone with God. Everything in your life flows from your intimacy with Jesus. Please hear me. If this secret place and this chair in your house or whatever it is, is dry, go dig another well. Go dig it. Leave the comforts of that chair you have in your living room and go find it then in the kitchen or in the bedroom, in the basement, whatever. I changed mine up slightly in the summer because it's really good finally in Michigan to get out in the summertime a little bit out of the house. I go on my front porch now just because it's the season. It's the change. Go dig another well if it dries up. (laughs) So you have two sisters, Martha, who's doing And Mary, who's at the feet, being, listening. And then there's Jesus. And he's going to respond to everything that's happening. Verse 41. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. You are worried and upset about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice and it will not be taken away from her. My holy imagination, I wonder if Jesus patted Martha on the head, Go, oh, Martha, Martha. <laughs> you mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just got it wrong. Here's a quick homework assignment. Side note, said this, but take this. Go research. Seven, seven, seven biblical characters get their name mentioned twice in a row. Martha, Martha's one of them. Go find the other six. Because something is significant in the teaching that is happening in that biblical character's life when, that, when that's mentioned. Go find the other six this week. Because it's really weird. Like, I wouldn't talk to Pastor Josh and go, Pastor Josh, Pastor Josh, unless you're really trying to get his attention, right? Yeah, just say, hey, Pastor Josh, especially when you're right here. There's a moment of clarity that's happening. And here's what's amazing. What does Jesus say? One thing is necessary. One thing. And I'm not going to take it away from Mary because she got it right. The last two weeks we talked, what would it look like to become a Psalm 27 for people? King David's song. Look at this. I've asked one thing from the lord it is that i it is what i desire to dwell in the house of the lord all the days of my life gazing on the beauty of the lord and seeking him in his temple one thing is necessary be with me everything in life can wait be with me be remain in me abide in me Make it a priority, you and I, together, one thing. Seek him, desire it, get a hunger and thirst for more of the presence of God in your life. Everything in your life flows from intimacy with Jesus. Praise team, make your, worship team, make your way up let me ask you a question I want you to think about this how much time do you spend with Jesus how much time take away Sunday morning take away the 75 minutes we spend together take that away all the other days of the week how much time do you spend with Jesus? And please understand, I'm not talking about quantity in a sense. I'm not saying get to my point where every single day I have in my secret place an hour to an hour and a half. please. That's where the Lord needs to take me. Maybe for some, he's going to take you there. Maybe for others, it's three minutes. He knows where he needs to take you. Trust him in that. It's not necessarily about about the quantity, the time thing, but the quality. And your biggest win in the secret place is knowing I'm in the presence of God. And nothing else matters. And if you truly answer this question and you know... It's not a lot outside of Sunday morning. You begin to realize that's why I'm pushing the car. I'm on empty. And I wasn't designed for that. I pray we all would find the secret place. Because this is where things are built. These are the moments that your character is built. See, your character is always built when no one's looking. I showed this illustration about two years ago and I want to bring it back. The Brooklyn Bridge. Built 154 years ago. In the 1870s. The Brooklyn Bridge was built to a bridge to connect Brooklyn with Manhattan. What's amazing is in the 1870s, the first tower built was the Brooklyn Tower on the Brooklyn side. That got built and then winter hit. And everyone in Brooklyn and Manhattan felt like progress was slowed that nothing was happening they couldn't wait to see the manhattan tower get built and then they could really start to see a bridge coming together and they would know finally we're connected we don't have to do this long loop around we can just use the bridge they're getting frustrated because they're like there's no work being done and the chief engineer came out and told everyone you see the brooklyn tower you see the majestic of it And that's what you want, but please know all those bricks and everything you see is being built right now under the water that you don't see. In order to have a beautiful tower, we have to build a strong foundation and you just don't see it being built. Welcome friends to the secret place no one sees it, it's you and the Lord unless a kid walks through your house and they see you praying or reading or something, you know. This is where character is built. And I will often say, you know why people fall? Because they didn't have a foundation. They don't have a foundation. Because it takes time to go under the water and actually build something. To grind through the pain sometimes of, I don't enjoy trying 10 minutes. 10 minutes. But you'll build something. And then the storms of life will try to crush you and you can say, I stand on a firm foundation that I built with my intimacy with Jesus Christ right here in the secret place. It's not sexy. No one sees it, but I don't care because it's between me and God. It's beautiful. And Charles Spurgeon says this about the secret place and Mary's sitting just at the feet listening to Jesus says Imagine not that to sit at Jesus' feet is a very small, unmeaning thing. It means peace for they who submit to Jesus find peace through His precious blood. It means holiness for those who learn of Jesus learn no sin but are instructed in things lovely and are good repute. It means strength. For that they sit with Jesus and feed upon him, are girded with strength. The joy of the Lord is their strength. And then he goes and says, it means wisdom. For that they learn of the son of God, understand more than the ancients, because they keep his statutes. They keep his written word. It means zeal for the love of Christ, fires hearts that live upon it. And that they are much with Jesus become like Jesus. So that the zeal of the Lord's house eats them up. I pray that there would be a God fire in your belly for the secret place. And we'll unpack more throughout these weeks to come of what all is incorporated right here in the secret place. I close with this. Be present in the presence of God. He's trying to take you places and teach you more of his character and also more of who you are. Will you be present in the presence of God? In every message, I pray the same prayer all the time. Lord, is there something specific you want for the church? I heard it as clear as day from the Lord. And the Lord wants to give you a question this morning. I hope you'll truly take it to heart. This question for our church is, are you willing to spend time with me? Are you truly willing? spend time with me? And if you answer yes, start where you're at, not where you want to be. If your answer is yes, for some of you, you've never done this before and you're like, I don't have a chair, I don't have anything. Start there and I'm going to encourage you as homework. Start with three minutes a day. Just start with three minutes. You're like, Ryan, what do I do in those three minutes? Put on a worship song and just sit in it. Pray. Connect with him. If you want to read the word, I would, I would always suggest reading one of the Gospels first. Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. I would start with probably Matthew or Mark. Start there. And just say, three minutes. For those that are five, could you go ten? Ten. Those are at 15. Could you go 30 with the Lord? Is there more? The Lord wants to do more. Maybe you're like, Ryan, I'm at a half hour. It's it's so rich. I'm just wondering what would it it look like to throw one more worship song in there? This morning I threw another worship song before I came in here. I pushed my little ottoman aside and got on my knees and worshiped that. more he wants more for you and revival will always start in the secret place because revival starts here and it's here where everything moves from the head to the heart it's a firm foundation that everything in life is built from this moment let me pray for you Father God oh Father God I pray that we would hunger and thirst for more of you that we would hunger and thirst. That we would take our time to find the secret place. Whether it's a chair or a bedroom, whether it's outside on a patio, it's in a bathroom, whatever it, wherever it is, it's that place, Lord, that you meet us where heaven is unlocked. Would you help us find that? Place? Help us to take those next steps, even if they're baby steps, they're steps in the right direction with you. Help us to build that firm foundation that Jesus Christ, you are our rock and that we don't just know about you. We truly know you in the deepest and most intimate parts of our heart, that you are our firm foundation, Lord, for we love you and we praise you and thank you in Jesus name. Amen.